Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. U.S. and British forces launching another major attack on Iranian-backed militias at multiple targets across Yemen. They're aimed at stopping Houthi rebels' attacks on ships in the Red Sea. The White House insists the strategy is working. But so far, retaliatory airstrikes have failed to stop the Houthis. And it comes amid escalating tensions in the region. U.S. troops at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq came under attack over the weekend. Iranian-backed militias fired 17 ballistic missiles and rockets. Most were intercepted. But the Pentagon says at least two U.S. personnel suffered trauma. Brain injuries. I like the two back-to-back sentences. The administration insists their deterrence is working. The Houthis continue to attack. Those two things do not fit together. Um, it became clear to me, I was just thinking about it before we played these clips, the reason the, I could call it the Obama-Biden crowd, because I think it goes clear back to the not acting on the red line in Syria, but if if you make it clear to people that you're not going to punch them in the mouth, then the whole don't, don't doesn't work. The only way don't doesn't does work is if you've made it clear to people that you mean business, you're going to punch them in the mouth. Then don't can work. But it doesn't work if you've made it clear that you're not willing to do that. Right. I agree 100%. I think now might be a great time to usher in Mike Lyons, military analyst from CNN. Uh, Mike, it's always enlightening. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back. Thank you. I think it would be fairly safe to say that practically the uh, the entire mission of an intelligence uh, operation is to figure out what your opponent is actually going to do, what they're actually thinking and it's our opinion that the united states is absolutely telegraphing the fact that what we're actually going to do is practically nothing yeah 
it's difficult to see where this administration goes. They whipsaw back and forth between these airstrikes into Yemen and thinking they're going to stop the Houthis and actually deter them and make statements like you just said, and then actually having that as a result. And um, my, my, favorite, my favorite is when they sit there and say, well, the Iranians are not involved with this. The Iranians don't want any escalation, but the Iranians' fingerprints are all over this. They're the ones directing these attacks. They're the ones that's provided the information. They're from ones that have given them all the supply. So I don't buy that one either. I don't buy that the Iranians don't want to escalate it. I just think they're confident that we're not going to do anything on top of that, to your point. It's, you know, we've gotten away from the Teddy Roosevelt speaks softly and carry a big stick. Instead, we we have hysteronics and we, we try to proclaim all kinds of things with regard to what we're going to do and then, and then you know, just can't, can't follow through. Well, you said on TV the other day, and then you tweeted it, what a what really hitting back would look like with a sustained air campaign. Explain that to us. Right, right. So, so we've got to tell the Houthis, okay, we're gonna end, we're gonna be at war with you now. And the fact that uh, we're shooting each other for different reasons, I think. You know, the Houthis want war with us. They want to punch up. They want to punch up with their weight. And we keep saying, oh no, no, we just want to open up the shipping lanes. But we have to sit there and say, now, okay, we need a, a thirty day air campaign, twenty four seven, twenty you know, two thousand sorties. Uh, a day, a continuous bombing, continuous mission, similar to what we did in Desert Storm. It, it would be a, a tremendous uh, investment uh, for us to do this. But to, to, this is going to not stop until you stop. And and, it, and it's, we're not going to be tit for tat. We're not going to only fire these uh, rockets at you when you fire one at us. And I, I think that's what uh, we should do, that we should do it for a certain period of time, have a specific metric that says uh, you're going to stop fighting at us. And it should last uh, for a while, as opposed to saying, okay, this is it now. This is the last one we're going to fire, so don't fire anything more of us. So a formal air campaign. That puts a lot of American airmen and Navy uh, pilots in harm's way, but I think that's the only way you're going to get them to stop. Well, I think the philosophy, the answer to that would be they're going to be in harm's way eventually anyway. We're right. trying to preclude the greater harm and not to get too far afield into psychology and uh, diplomacy. But it strikes me that uh, in the same way that the Twitter left has a wildly outsized influence in domestic policy as if that's the American people. I think the in, the, the diplomatic intelligentsia U.N. crowd has an outsized effect on the Biden administration's foreign policy. They are so interested in courting the approval of these people as opposed to fixing their eyes on a successful execution of the the goals of the united states and the needs of the u.s that i just i think that the foreign policy is perverse in that way right it's a globalist mentality that exists uh, on that on the one level but it's also wishing the world the way it, it, it they want it to be as opposed to the way it is realpolitik and i i think that is you know the main reason that the main change that will come to an administration if it happens and the obama administration and the biden administration think that this is a world but the iranians will eventually come to the table and be part of the international community and all that will go with that it just this is not going to happen and um and, and they're doing everything they can uh in order to try to give the iranians every way out to do that um i, I just think we've run out of time for a long time about that you uh, also tweeted out the large number of different sorts of little, I don't know what you want to call them, but points of conflict around the Middle East that exist. There's, there's like a dozen. Yeah, it's an amazing, when you think about it, if you just take inventory about 
who's shooting at whom in the Middle East, and they're all mostly trending up. We saw the Iranians now. So let's go back to Iran. Iran is an authoritative government that now, as I see it, is more focused on internal problems. Uh, the fact that we had ISIS uh, attack, we saw ISIS attack them in Kerman uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're starting to have, I think, internal issues uh, with separatist organizations, which is why they decided to attack into Pakistan, into into the Baluchis and, and those organizations that, that want to see the overthrown of the, of the Iranian government. And now they are attacking into Syria to attack ISIS units in there, and then they're attacking into Iraq, and U.S. forces are seeing the, the side effects of that, but they're also attacking the Kurds there. They're, the Iranian government, I think, is now sending a message within the Middle East about uh, they've got to show within their country that they're going to stand up to threats that they have, and, uh, and they're starting to see it. The, the, the fact that terrorism has now come home to roost in Iran is, is a big change, and I think that's why they're going to see them escalate with a lot of these attacks outside of Iran by Iranian forces, not the proxies. Let's uh, turn our gaze uh, to Israel for a moment at least. It seems that the trading of ordnance with Hezbollah is absolutely on the brink of erupting into an all-out war. Uh, does it mm-hmm. seem that way to you? Yeah, that's the biggest concern in, in that uh, the only thing holding that back is uh, two things. I think the population there does not want a war, and it's a, it's a classic example of Hezbollah runs the, the, the country as, as a you know kind of an outside organization, and um, the Iranians, I think, are putting a little bit of the brakes on them as well, because if they gave them the green light, I think that they would go, and I think that would open up a second front. You know, th- this is two countries. Israel is, uh, is an ally of the United States, uh, Hezbollah, Gaza, or uh, uh, the Houthis, Hamas, all of these other Iranian proxy organizations, they're all under existential threats right now. And I think um, that that's the, the calculus that, that the Iranians are making. Um, and I think that for right now, they don't want to see um, Hezbollah destroyed because I think they're watching Hamas be destroyed and placed in the southern part of Israel. Well, with Israel losing, was it 21 or 24 guys in one day, man, yeah. opening up another front, that'd be something. Well, they have those units that they had brought up. That's why they brought up 300,000 recalls back in October, and they've sent some home already, um, but they're in it for an existential fight, so I don't, I don't think they're, they're, they're going to stop. It's starting to hurt their economy. Uh, this is uh, where no allies that they have right now is really hurting them. If this, the, the world will change if the Saudis or some other Middle Eastern country decides to come to the support of Israel, and I think that's when the world changes, but we just don't see that in sight. Interesting. Yeah, uh, from what I've understood, the Israeli, the IDF, are a, a little discouraged at the extent to which they have destroyed Hamas, because Hamas is pretty good at melting into the landscape and the tunnels and the rest and, and surviving it. So I, it's just unquestionable that this is going to be a long slog. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fatigue both of Israel and its people and the international community is going to be balanced against more and more hostages turning up dead and right. and more and more attacks from Hamas and Hezbollah I just I think this uh, I think we need to settle in for the long haul yeah, I don't see any any see an end in sight. In fact, I think it's double trending up. I think it's the uh, Israeli government is not is not going to stop. And at this point now, until they get more hostages back, there'll be no ceasefire. There'll be nothing. They're just going to continue to uh, to just raise the, the the ground down there. So the uh, we mentioned this yesterday. The open intelligence defense crowd uh, was reporting that there's some people in uh, in defense in the Pentagon or wherever that are really unhappy with the administration not letting them just do what they got to do to stop the Houthis. Do you hear any any of that kind of chatter? 
Well, I know they've been given many courses of action. It gets back to one of those courses of action has been an air campaign and has been a, a much more detailed and a, and a better um, operation. We know where the Houthi supply chains are. We know where the logistics are. Um, the other thing that's going to go with this, though, is we're going to have to resupply. If we keep launching Tomahawk missiles uh, in their direction, we're going to start running out ourselves. And, uh, and now you think about from a strategic perspective, if you know, for all these destroyers that we're sending there and firing all these Tomahawk missiles, we're kind of uh, not keeping our powder dry for something that could potentially happen in the, in the Far East. So it's got to be part of an overall campaign that the administration thinks it's going to be over very quickly. But I think from what the people I talked to in the Pentagon and the people that I know there are always looking over the horizon to make sure that we're ready to go for really what's going to be the next bigger, bigger conflict. Military analyst Mike Lyons of CNN. Uh, Mike, uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.